Uh, we are starting a brand new series called Remember. Um, this is November the 3rd, the first day of November, if I understand this correctly, is the official first day of the holiday season. Is that right? I think I got that right. So, yes. So that, so on the elf meter, right, somewhere on the elf meter, that divides us into two specific groups of people, okay? And I'm going to ask you to, to identify yourselves, mainly so I know which one, of you, which groups to pray for. Some of you are like, are you kidding me? November the 1st, we're already starting to celebrate Christmas. This is ridiculous. How many of y'all, that's you? Raise your hand. And that's the group I'm praying for. All right. Because <laughs> the right answer, the right answer is finally, finally, right? The right answer is Elf, and he's like in the store going, Santa. That's the right answer. <laughs> All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a church split, or at least a fight. One of those is going to happen right now. Chairs are going to start flying. It's going to be fantastic. So, um, so no matter where you fall on that elf meter, right, uh, if, it's, if elf meter is like 0 to 10, I'm a 25, no doubt about it. Like in the summertime, I'm in the car listening to Christmas music, without a doubt. Air conditioner like down on 50. It's snowing in my vehicle as I'm singing Let It Snow. Wendy is like... Don't dishonor Thanksgiving like that, right? Thanksgiving is the reason we have Thanksgiving. So I'm just saying the fact that Wendy and I have almost been married for 30 years, um, that just proves, like, God can keep us together even, and even when one of us is wrong. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So she's not here, and I'm sure she would agree that one of us is wrong. <laughs> all right, so... Here's the thing. No matter where we fall on that scale, here's what I know. And it might be because I'm getting older. It pains me to say that, but it's true. Stop that. <laughs> what? Oh, I love this section so much more than this section right now. <laughs> um, what I do know is, and now we're joking about being divided into two groups, people who love Christmas sooner than others, um, but what I do know is that in this room, this November 1st, it does mark the beginning of a bittersweet season for a lot of people, right? So um, it's a chance for us to live out Scripture. Can I read this verse to you? It's not going to be on the screens, but let me read it to you. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 15, and this comes from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So when I think about the holiday season, which is really from November 1st all the way through the end of the year, you know, there's lots of holidays in here. When I think about this holiday season, some of us are like so excited, right? But we're going to be around other people who are really struggling in this season. And when I read this verse, what I take from that is be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. In other words, be so close in community that you know where the other person is and display the appropriate amount of emotion for them. And this is a chance for us to do that because this is a season that is very bittersweet for a lot of people. And depending on when whatever happened happened, it's more bitter than sweet or if it's been a number of years, maybe it's it started to become sweet again, but you never quite go back to where it was. 
And, and I think this is a chance for us to recognize that the enemy, and we have an enemy. Y'all know that, right? It's not the Tar Heels or the Wolf Pack. It's definitely not the Wolf Pack. Ain't nobody scared of the Wolf Pack. It's Satan. I'll just, I can say it. That's the S word. I can say Satan. So we have an enemy, and John 10.10 says that his strategy, his plan is to do three things. He wants to steal, kill, and throw a party. No. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's bent on that, and one of his best strategies is isolation. So if he can take, now this is, I did it with the first service. I'm going to do it with you too. I know it's a weird way to start it off, but I need you to understand this word. If, if we could, um, we'll just use a finger. If you could take your, your right index finger, just hold it up for a second if you can. Nowhere near your nose, please. Thank you. If you could take and cut your finger off. I know that's a weird way to, to start this series, but just stay with me. If you could cut your finger off, it would land on the floor or the chair or maybe in the lap of the person next to you. Instant revival, right? If you could cut your finger off and it was on the floor, your, your finger has now been dismembered. Okay, so follow me here. What we want you to do in the month of November, it, we're, we're calling it no, a November to remember. We want you to remember, reattach yourself to the people and the promises of God. So when we remember things, when we read Scripture, when we, when we read a promise, God is actually, that's his antidote to the enemy's strategy. The enemy wants to isolate us. He wants your finger to be on the floor and you be the finger. He wants you to feel like nobody understands me. Nobody's been through what I'm going through. I don't feel connected to this church anymore. I don't feel connected to Christians. I don't feel connected to anything. I'm all by myself. And if you go down that road, eventually your blinds come down. Your curtains get closed. Your phone gets turned on silent. And you start to believe the lie that you're alone. And what God, in his grace, God says, no, 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 no. I've got people and I've got promises in your life. And I'm going to pick up that finger and I want to reattach that part of the body back to the body. He wants us to remember ourselves to his promises and his people. That's the whole point of this entire month is that we would remember ourselves back to God's people and his promises. And this morning we're going to talk about remembering ourselves back to his people. Okay? And it all starts in the cloud. Um, how many of you love that you can store everything you own? Um, not own, everything you, everything like on your computer, every picture, every video, you can store it all in the cloud. How many of you love that? Just out of curiosity. Okay. How many of you are conspiracy theorists? <laughs> and you're like, I ain't storing nothing in the cloud. Right? Because I know for sure that there's some grumpy old dude with a button that he can push. And when he has a bad day, he's going to push that button. I'm never going to get my pictures back, right? Um, it's funny. I was telling them back in the, in the tech booth that um, last service when I, I opened up my sermon notes. And so it's, it's not a big secret. Like, you know, on the left side are my notes. And on the right side are verses that I'm going to read. And it just keeps me from looking up there all the time. And so I opened it up, and as I'm starting to talk, I realized that the verses, I had like one verse and like half of the next passage, and there was nothing else there. Like, I know you don't feel that panic because you're just sitting there, right? But I was like trying to keep it together and also panicking like, where are the scriptures? 
because I know that yesterday I typed up this document and put it in the cloud. <laughs> Jesus put the heckler in the cloud. In your name. <laughs> so what's even funnier is I'm coming up here for the second service, and, open, and guess what? They're all there. This is why some people don't like the cloud, right? Because we're convinced that somebody's working behind the scenes. They're going to jack everything up, and we're going to be, like, lost. GPSs are going to be, like, recalculating, recalculating. Like, nothing is going to work, right? But what I want you to see today is that there is actually some good in the cloud. In Hebrews chapter 12, let me read this to you. Hebrews chapter 12, let's just read verse 1. Therefore, now therefore means you should ask what it's there for, okay? So it, therefore usually points back in Scripture. So when we read therefore at the beginning of chapter 12, what, what the writer's saying is check out chapter 11. And we're not going to read all of chapter 11, but it's called the Hall of Faith. And it lists, so, it'd be so good to read on a rainy day. It'd be good on any day, but like just on a rainy day, get you some coffee, open up Hebrews 11, and just read that whole chapter. And you just read story after story after story of these incredible men and women of faith. People that did amazing things for God. Or some people who weren't so amazing, but God did amazing things through them. You even get to the end and find a verse that says this. And some of those people died without ever having received the promise. So faith isn't about, like, name it, claim it, get it. Faith is about, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what, right? So that therefore is pointing back to that. And he says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So this morning I want to talk for a few minutes about that cloud, right? Now we don't, might not want to store our pictures in the cloud, but God is storing witnesses in the cloud. We are surrounded this morning by a great cloud of witnesses. And who are those witnesses? I want you to know that it's not just about the crowd in the cloud, but it's also about the hope that they give to us. There's hope that comes from that cloud. Now, I couldn't access my verses this morning from the cloud, but I can access hope in the cloud anytime I want. Pop quiz, don't answer out loud because I don't want you to feel like an idiot. What's the first major holiday in November? And most of us in the room probably thought Thanksgiving, right? Because we're hungry, right? It's close to lunch and we're like, give me the leg, you know? But the first holiday is All Saints Day. How many of you are like, nailed it? Raise your hand, be proud of yourselves. I'm just, you know... If you get your glory here, then you already got it. So it's All Saints Day, right? And that was November the 1st. And November the 1st on All Saints Day is a traditional church holiday when we remember, follow me here, all the saints. All the saints that went before us. Now, if you're, you know, if you study the saints, there are some saints that are named and we know they lived a long time ago. But I personally believe that All Saints Day is a day to remember all saints. So not just the famous ones that we talk about or that Catholics might wear a necklace around their neck or whatever because that's where you wear a necklace around your neck. <laughs> what am I saying? Let's just move on from there. That was not my best moment in the sermon. All the way to people that we know. Like I read Hebrews 11 and I don't know those people. 
I'm going to someday. Like, can you imagine having a conversation with Abraham or with Isaac or Jacob? Like, talking to Daniel, like, dude, what was it really like? You know, I read the, ver- the, the Bible story, but tell me the real story. Like, how bad were you sweating with those lines, right? But I do know some saints. I know my mom. I know my brother, my grandparents, right? You know some saints. We all know saints. And so the first holiday in November is All Saints Day. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is getting at. He's saying, look, there's hope in the cloud because you know some people in the cloud. Now, if the enemy's strategy is to cut us off, like have the finger on the floor and dismember us and isolate us, then God's strategy to keep that from happening is actually for us to remember people. Now, I want to be sensitive, right? If you've just experienced the loss of somebody in your life who was a saint, who was following Jesus, if that just happened, remembering that person might not feel so good, right? So let me give you a couple verses, and then we'll talk about how remembering can be better than just remembering and having memories and just crying because they're no longer with us, okay? So just a couple verses, just so you can see kind of what does God do when we feel like we're alone? Here's the first passage, Romans chapter 11, verses 3 through 4. So this is about Elijah, and it's, re- it's retelling a story from the Old Testament. And here's what it says. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am who? The only one left. You ever done that? This is a Monday prayer. Right? You go to work on Monday, and you're just like, by 4 o'clock, I'm the only one. I'm the only one here who cares about this company, who's doing hard work. Nobody else is trying. I'm the only one, God. Your finger's getting cut off, and it's on the floor, and you're happy with it. You're dismembered. You're connected, isolated. And what does God do? He, picks, he picked up that finger for Elijah. He said, no, 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 no. Elijah, you're just a finger on the floor. Let me pick you up. And let me reattach you to who? 7,000 people is what it says in verse 4. No, no, I've got 7,000 other people who didn't bow the knee to Baal. You think you're dismembered, and you think that you're alone, and I get it. That's, an, that's a strategy of the enemy, but no, no, no. you're not dismembered. I'm going to reattach you, remember you to 7,000 others just like you who haven't bowed the knee. Second Kings chapter 6. Y'all like that song that goes, um, this is how I fight my battles. You like that song? I, I shouldn't have sung it because now that's all you're going to be singing the rest of the sermon in your head. You'll be like, I don't know what he's saying, but I am surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was awful. I, I don't even understand myself in this message. What am I saying? So that song comes from this story in 2 Kings chapter 6. It's kind of a weird story, but Elisha is a prophet of God, and he's with his servant, and they're in like a little cabin. And in the morning, the servant goes out to do whatever you do in the morning when you're in a cabin. I guess like get water, get wood, whatever. But he goes outside. And when he walks outside, he looks up. And all around the horizon are these enemies, like chariots, horses, angry people, right? They're all coming, all those people against Elisha and this servant. So he did what any of us would have done, wet himself, 
turned around and walked back inside, and he said to, his, to Elisha, you, you are not going to believe what's out there. Like we, we are, it, it may look like we're surrounded, you know, we're surrounded by these horrible enemies. And Elisha did this in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots. And he went and said, oh, sir, what, are we, what will we do now? Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, listen, we do amen that because we're here. But when the servant heard that, how many of you know he was like, dude, what are you smoking? Have you been outside? I mean, have you even looked? Peek out the window. What are you talking about? What Elisha was saying was, it may look like I'm surrounded. He was like, I don't even know who Michael W. Smith is. I don't even know. I don't understand. But he was like, don't be, there's more with us than there are against him. And he, Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And then the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Listen, you can feel like you're dismembered. But God's reminding us, no, 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 you're not alone. Look, look, look harder, right? From the Lion King, look harder. He's like, look again. And he looked again like he saw all these people that were for him more than those that were against him. Listen, we serve a God who wants us to remember the people of God. He's reserving people all the time. At your school, in your job. The people in your neighborhood where you think you're the only one, God's like, not so fast. I've reserved people. And if you'll let me, I'll reattach you to them. And you'll see that you're not alone. You're not the only one at your job that loves Jesus. You're not the only one in your neighborhood that wants to see crime fall. I've reserved people, and I'm going to attach you to them. You're not alone. Now, again, that can give us hope. It should give us hope. But, but it only gives us hope if we do one more thing. It's not enough just to sit around and talk about the people that we remember. It, it actually reminds us of one more thing that we're supposed to do. If we keep reading in Hebrews, here's what it says. And let us run. Oh, I think that's it. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to remember to run. Turn to the person next to you and say, remember to run. You're supposed to remember to run. Now, I don't mean physically run, right? Because some of you are like, I wouldn't do that if you paid me. But we're supposed to remember, remember to run, right? So I think about, I remember this great cloud of witnesses. But there's a reason he wants me to remember them. So that I'll remember that they ran, and I'm supposed to run. We're not just going to sit around in a circle and tell stories about our families, loved ones that are gone, because we'll all end up crying, and nobody wants to run. We're supposed to remember their lives and that they're now cheering us on. We remember to run. Why does that even matter? And I'd have to go back to November 14th, 2009, Richmond, Virginia. This was the date that I ran my first marathon. 
It feels so good to say first marathon. I have just, I've run four, but I mean, it sounds like I've run a bazillion, doesn't it? Well, I ran my first marathon, and yeah. If you can even call it running a marathon. I did my, I, I did my, I finished my first marathon <laughs> November 14th. Um, I ran it in Richmond, Virginia, and I ran that marathon on the day that my brother would have turned 40, right? So my, so I had, we had those t-shirts made, like my brother's picture on it, and the, the slogan was like, I ran my first on his 40th, and it was fun and all that stuff. And we got the whole family to come together um, because, listen, when we remember people that have gone before us, you're going to be remembering people in your life, and I remember my family, right? This season that we have coming up, like it's been, this will be 16 years, since I came home from visiting my, my wife's family in Columbia, South Carolina, on the day after Thanksgiving, that Friday, was I remember unlocking the door to my house and hearing Wendy talk to a board member at First Assembly, and I heard her talking to him on the phone, and, and she handed me the phone, and she said, you need to talk to this person. And I'm like doing the whole like opening the door phone thing. Yeah, what's up? And here's what he said. You need to get to the hospital. They just took your mom in an ambulance. That's, that'll change your world, you know. And so we go down to the hospital, never get to talk to mom again. Over the weekend, she hangs on, passes away on December the 1st. The day that she dies, we leave the hospital that morning, come back into the hospital that afternoon with my brother, whose oxygen level was like 52%, turning blue, had pneumonia. 21 days later, he went to hang out with mom. It was a whirlwind of stuff you don't expect to have happen in your life. And so when we um, come on Thanksgiving and everybody talks about Black Friday, I, I get Black Friday's like go shopping. I mean, I, that's cool and all. But like for our family, like Black Friday was literally Black Friday. It's like the day that our world changed. And so when I go through this season, I think about them, right? Just like you're going to think about people in your own lives. I remember that first marathon running, and, of course, they're not there. We're remembering them. And, and here's what I learned that day as I'm running. I had the easy part running the marathon. In the marathon, they would actually, if you've run a marathon, you know this. And if you're a family member, you know this as well. They have these stations set up, like they're called family-friendly zones. So the families would go to those zones. Like it might be mile five or mile nine, or t and they can cheer them on. Like you hold up your posters you wave, like you're ringing the bells, the whole deal. And then, and then I would run past that station. They'd like yell for me. And then I didn't know this. I'd go on and keep running. They'd have to get into a van and like caravan to the next family place. And they'd, she, when he told me, like, we would barely get there. Like we'd get there like two or three minutes before you'd show up. And then they'd be like yelling again, holding out signs. And they would get in the car and they'd go again. It was like five different family stations. Here's what I learned during the race. The farther you go in a marathon, the more it stinks. I mean, you start cramping up. You can barely walk. I mean, literally, like at mile 22, I think both my legs cramped up, and I'm like, I'm walking like this. It's just awful. I'm crying. I'm a grown man crying, you know. But I knew like at mile 23 was a family station. And so if I knew that I was coming up on a family area, y'all know I didn't walk. I mean, my race looked like this. Oh, this is the worst. Oh, family. Hey, what's up? What's going on? You know? And they're holding up signs. You could do it, Dad. I'm like, you got to, I got this, man. I've killed it. Killed it. Killed it. Yeah. 
oh, this is the worst ever. That's, that's what marathons look like, you know. And, and that's what the, Hebrew, the author of Hebrew, he's getting at that. He's like, look, there's a great cloud of witnesses. And, and knowing that they see you run will change the way you run. That's the whole point of this passage. Is that when we know that this cloud of witnesses is watching us run, cheering us on, it will change the way we run. Three ways. Three ways that we'll run because of that cloud of witnesses. If you're writing them down, here's the first one. Run light. Strip off every weight. Now, let's make sure we apply this correctly. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't run naked. Just want to make sure we got that clear. He does want you, because it says the word strip, he does want you to strip off everything that could possibly hold you back. And what he's getting at is, um, I don't know if anybody here ran track in high school, but if you were like a sprinter in track, you didn't show up to the starting line with a parka, right? Your book bag. No, no. You throw off all that. And if you're a, a top athlete, it's amazing to me what athletes will do to get just a fraction of a second of an advantage, Shave body hair. Wear like super tight shorts. Like even my, my grandma can't see that, right? Like it's, and why would you do that? Oh, because I can beat the other person by a nanosecond. Like they, they get rid of every, if they could run naked, they would run naked. Like they, they strip away everything possible so that they can run light. And when we have, a, we have this, this, this crowd that's cheering us on in the cloud, and when we know that they're cheering for us, they want to see us do the best job that we can. We need to be like throwing off everything that could ever possibly keep us back. And I don't know what those things are for you. Can I just throw out like negative thinking? Isolation? Sins that we keep giving into? He says the sin that so easily entangles us. I always think about kudzu when I read this verse. It's like it just keeps growing back. You get rid of the kudzu and it's back again. You just keep throwing it off. Strip off every weight. Run light. And then he says, let us run with perseverance. So he wants us to run with endurance. Y'all heard that phrase, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah. Marathoners are like, I wish it was a sprint, Right? You just want it to be over. But it's not. It is a marathon. It's a long race. And, and the, these witnesses, these people that have gone before us, they're cheering for us. They're like, you could do this. Keep going. Don't stop. Run with endurance. And then this is kind of a no-brainer, but we run looking. I would not recommend running with your eyes closed. Nor would I recommend running backwards. It's good to look at where you're going, right? Run looking. And who are we looking at? Jesus, right? Like we're talking about remembering people in our lives that have gone before us and they're cheering us on. But it's really important to remember that what they're telling us is it's not about us. And it's not even about you. You're running to Jesus. They're cheering us on. That's the entire point. Listen, it's crazy. Every marathon I've ever finished, you cross this line, and, and they give you this piece of foil. They basically wrap you up like a baked potato. 
It's crazy. I remember, like, I'd watch that and go, like, what fool thought of that? And then I ran my first marathon. I was freezing. Like, please wrap me up like a baked potato. <laughs> you know, it's like you just wrap it up. And, and here's what I would, I would do every, every time. And I'm not a fast marathoner. So, like, when I finished, it was almost at the end. You know, like the, the time cut off. I would just get my baked potato foil. And I would go back to the finish line, and I would stand at the finish line, and I would just cheer like crazy for the people that were coming through. People I didn't even know. I'm just like, you can do it. There's a foil wrap for you. <laughs> just cheering them on. Like, you'll be a baked potato soon. And eat one. They give you all kinds of cool food, pizza. It's amazing. I'd just be cheering them on like you can do it. People I don't even know. And what I want you to see is like that's what the crowd is doing in the cloud for you. They've finished their race. And now they're cheering you and me on to finish ours. That's, that's your big idea today. It just says this, remembering how others ran their race inspires us to run ours. That's the point. Is that they know that now that they're finished, they're just going to cheer us on. It just blows my mind to think about, I mean, Abraham cheering me on. Who am I, right? These, these amazing stories of faith. And those people are cheering for us now. And it should change the way that we run. Now, here's how I'd like us to end this morning. And I don't really know how this is going to go. We'll find out. Thank you so much. I think it's important that we say out loud people's names. I think it's important when the Bible says to remember that we don't just keep it up in our head. I have matches, y'all. This could be scary. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring the lights down. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to say the names of people in your life that have gone before you. I think it's good to honor them. I think it's good to remember that we're not in this race alone. They don't have to be people from your, from your family. They can be people that you know because you've seen their life, and people in this room might not even know them. I, I can say Doris Jenkins and Stephen Jenkins. That's my mom and my brother. But I can also say Doris Sides, and most of you don't even know her. But I was in a little crazy Pentecostal church of like about 33 and a half people. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. And I would not be here if she hadn't run her race like that. So it's going to be quiet for a few minutes while you decide if you want to have the courage to say somebody's name. And then I'm going to ask you to say it loud for people to hear. These are people in your life that are cheering you on. And I want you to say who they are when you're ready.